0: Hey, what's up? This is Nolan from Passcast by Donut Media. We are the world's number one automotive podcast, and this week it's part two of our series on Nissan, our conclusion of the Nissan story. We're talking about all the iconic Nissan sports cars in this episode. I'm talking Z-Car. how that even come to be? It turns out the guy responsible for it developed it in secret and then had to act surprised when the engineers showed it off for the rest of the company leadership. Very funny. Uh, and then, of course, Skyline GTR, Datsun 510, a little car called Godzilla. They're all in this episode. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. It's part two of Nissan, bypass gas by Donut Media. Listen today. 1969 was one hell of a year. The Summer of Love, Vietnam War protests, the fight for racial equality, and Apollo 8's missions to the moon culminated for one of the most historically significant years in America's history. On May 11th, over 100 million people tuned in to watch the fastest race in America, the Indianapolis 500.
1: Stand by for the start at Indianapolis.
0: A young Italian immigrant named Mario Andretti, face covered in burns from a practice session wreck had been leading the entire second half of the race.
2: Andretti is all by himself in the lead.
0: His tires were so damaged, he was struggling to control the car.
1: Oh boy, he lost it there momentarily and almost hit the wall.
0: Ultimately, it cost him the lead. Then an anxious Andretti pulled into the pit too quickly, running over his chief mechanic. Doesn't
1: look like a serious thing, but he was momentarily knocked down by his own automobile.
0: Mechanic was fine, but the car stalled. There was no time for new tires. He just had to drive and hope for the best the crowd beginning to pay its tribute to Andretti.
1: The young man who came to this country at the age of 14 as an immigrant from Italy. This was the one he wanted more than anything else in the world.
2: And here it comes Mario.
0: There's probably 30 people on earth who have never heard the name Mario Andretti. Even if they don't know he's a race car driver, it's one of those names that's bounced around the zeitgeist for decades. That's because Mario Andretti is racing royalty. He's the winner of the driver of the century award a multi-time champion and a true renaissance man. While a lot of drivers spend their entire careers perfecting one specific style of racing, Andretti liked them all. It didn't matter if it was in stock cars circling a loop, open wheel cars careening through a road course, or just drag racing down a stretch of asphalt. If it had wheels and went fast, Andretti wanted in. Today on Pass Gas, how would Andretti's childhood living in a World War II refugee camp spark his racing career? What impact did Andretti have on the future of race cars, outside of just being a good driver? What led to the Andretti family's racing dynasty? And most importantly, is the Andretti curse real? It's Past Gas. Past Gas Podcast, it's about cars,
3: it's not about ports.
4: Dun, dun, dun.
3: Bum, bum, bum. Uh, I'm excited to do this one. This is the only person that's been the subject of a podcast that we've done that i've seen in their underpants i was, I was
4: gonna take a bet on how quickly you would mention it. <laughs> yeah and, i've been uh, waiting <laughs> since last night
0: <laughs> I, I was as i was looking over the script i was like okay james is definitely gonna mention the underwear <laughs> yeah uh,
3: <laughs> for those of you who uh have not listened to the show at all i probably mention it in every episode <laughs> anytime mario and jordy gets
0: brought up on the show the underwear
3: purple correct yes purple Briefs, <laughs> not boxer briefs, briefs like straight up like bikini bottoms. I've seen Mario Andretti in his underpants. I went to Phoenix one time to ride in like the uh the dual indie car oh, thing. Nice. Oh yeah, that Honda. was Phoenix, huh? Uh-huh. And uh we had to put on racing suits. And in the trailer, <clears throat> it was me and Mario Andretti. Yeah. And didn't hesitate. Stripped down to his skivs, and I saw uh very fit elder Italian man, <laughs> just no tan lines. <laughs> <Hell yeah. laughs> no Hell tan yeah. li- No
4: farmer's tan on that guy. Yeah, he's a racer. That. I mean, after sixty years of racing, you don't care. you Dude, don't you care. Don't at care. All.
3: How many locker rooms has he been in?
4: I don't know, but you know, like if he goes to the YMCA <laughs> He doesn't go to the Y, he goes to Equinox one.
3: <laughs> uh, and he's definitely the kind of guy who like puts his foot up on the like bench yeah. and like blow dries his but.
4: Yeah, there's much less qualified people that do that at every Y across uh-huh. the U.S. Yeah. Uh,
3: I'd like to think that one day when I'm 60, I'll undress in front of a younger gentleman.
4: Yeah, we can only
3: hope. We can only hope. I want some silk briefs now. No, you don't. No. No? No, you'll regret it. They were not silk. Oh, they were I'm like, imagining they're silk.
0: In this, in this mental image I'm building of uh, Mario Andretti in his underwear, they're
3: silk purple listen it is reefs. burnt in my brain and i want you guys to understand exactly what it looked like okay <laughs> purple cotton briefs yeah i assume they were a, a high-end brand yeah. but i would you know just for the visual i'd say picture like a fruit of the loom okay. classic yeah. tidy whitey yeah yeah purple a purple yeah. i feel like
4: he's a calvin guy maybe yeah
3: no logo. Anyway. Anyway, welcome to Pass Gas, everybody.
0: <laughs> There's so much more yeah. that we can learn we about this. We just need to get
4: that out of the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are in the studio together for the first time in a long time. Uh, we've been doing the show since the pandemic started over Zoom for over
4: two years now. Over two years. Yeah. yeah. I want to say Zoom? last time was early March 2020. Yeah.
0: Well, then, yeah. Then we did do an in-person one like a year ago, the Lucy Shell episode. Uh, that was in person. That also
3: that was weirder than this one. Yeah, that one felt weird for some reason. Yeah. Well, that was like still height of pandemic. Yeah.
4: yeah. None of us had been vaccinated at that point. Yeah. We were like,
3: uh, why are we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> I get. I was very aware of both of your breath. Yeah. Um. So it, it's
0: good to be back in the studio with you guys.
4: Yeah. Uh, Hear some crinkling or some barking. It's just because we're on a leather dog leather couch. <laughs> we're a leather dog couch. Yeah. Leather dog
0: couch. We got a leather couch that Joe and I are sitting on. Joe's dog Alfie is uh is sitting
4: Yeah, there. he's first time long time listener, first time guest. If you think about it,
3: all animals are made out of leather.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Even Mario andretti. <laughs> Especially Mario Andretti.
0: All right. Well, I'm excited to talk about one of the most requested topics we've had. I mean, this, this guy is here. like when
3: you think about racing, you think Andretti. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. there's very few subjects that we've covered that if i said to my mom like hey mom who's mario andretti she'd be like race car driver you know like even senna if i told if i was like mom who's Ayrton senna she'd be like uh i don't know do they make couches <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> it does
0: sound like a brand you'd buy at like west elm uh-huh. i should introduce who the voices you hear are hello my name is nolan sykes i'm joined as always by my co-hosts in the studio you have James Humphrey.
3: Oh, hello. I've seen Mario Andretti in his underwear. (laughs) Thanks for reiterating. And Joe Weber. Hey, what's
4: up? Every animal is made out of leather. (laughs) If you think about it.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Let's get into the story here. It's easy to assume that a person who seeks out racing as their passion is trying to escape something. Maybe it's existential anxieties, relationship difficulties, or childhood trauma. For racing legend Mario Andretti, trying to escape was something that he was forced to do since birth. Andretti was just three years old when Italian dictator Benito Mussolini and his brutal fascist regime were overthrown. Once the dust of World War II settled, the European continent was unrecognizable. When Andretti was eight years old, he and his family moved into a refugee camp in the Tuscany region of Italy, sharing a single room with eight other families, separated by only a blanket as a wall. Living conditions in the refugee camps were atrocious. It was cramped with no privacy. Desperation sparked violence on a daily basis. They had to wrestle their food away from rats only to discover that the food was almost inedible. And the stench, which was ubiquitous in the camp, was a cross between a construction site porta potty and a morgue. It can't be emphasized enough how difficult Mario Andretti's childhood really was. Did you guys watch the
4: documentary? I did
0: not watch the documentary. What is this documentary,
4: Joe? It's an NBC documentary called Drive Like Andretti. It's all right, (laughs) but the coolest part is that they like take him back to the original town that he lived in, which is called Morova or something like that, which is now in Croatia. It's on the very east side of Italy, and I guess it got annexed by Croatia after World War II. But yeah, they show the building that he lived in. There's like 1,200 people living in. Montona is the town he grew up in, which is now in Croatia, but... They go to Tuscany, they show the building he was in. It housed 1,200 people, and it's, like, the size of, like, a small elementary school. And he was like, yeah, we were lucky. We had, we were in this room with eight other families, but we had a window. (laughs) And I was just like, damn, like,
0: During those seven long years, Andretti and his twin brother, Aldo, fell in love with Italy's most popular sport, Formula One racing. He'd listen to Grand Prix events on the radio, always rooting for his hero, Italian champion Alberto Ascari. After seeing Ascari once in person and watching him win the Italian Grand Prix in Monza, Mario was hooked for life.
4: Now that guy's got a car named after him.
0: The Ascari A10. There's another one. I forget. They have a new one or a newer one.
4: I
3: drove one of those. It's so fast. Ascari. (laughs)
0: At night, while trying to fall asleep on the floor of a small room surrounded by 25 other families, Andretti fantasized about winning the Formula One championship in his home country. Using his small pillow as a steering wheel, his Ferrari always crossed the finish line just ahead of Ascari as thousands of adoring fans cheered Mario over and over. Eventually, the Andretti family got approved to move to America, to Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Steel Town. They didn't speak English and knew little about the culture, including what a milkshake was. But once he found out, Mario loved
4: those milkshakes. (laughs) You wouldn't know from his toned (laughs) octogenarian body, though.
0: (laughs) Despite the milkshakes and how awesome they were, uh, Mario was riddled with doubts about America. He was worried that living in Pennsylvania would take him too far away from the center of the Formula One universe and he'd never be able to race. Did America even have fast cars, he wondered? While exploring their new town, Mario found his answer. The Andretti house was just a few blocks away from a half-mile oval track for stock cars. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's convenient to the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, right.
4: (laughs) That's not even realistic.
0: (laughs) And even better for a kid dreaming of Formula 1, the track had a pro amateur racing league. Okay. (laughs) And in order to join the league, Mario and his twin brother Aldo, at only 15 years old, lied and said that they had participated in the prestigious Formula Junior League over in Europe and were old enough to drive. Yes,
3: (laughs) sir. We were driving these before.
0: (laughs) We were uh, very good. (laughs) The league couldn't prove the Andretti brothers wrong and invited them to join. They were thrilled, but then reality set in. Neither Mario nor Aldo had a car or even knew how to drive.
3: <laughs> Noah, what the we going to do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Andretti family had moved to America with only $125 to their name, so buying a car just wasn't an option, and getting the twins' driving lessons was even more out of the question. The boys were stumped until they realized how to take care of their problems with one crucial decision. They'd get a job parking cars. (laughs) Two birds, Joe. One
1: One stone. stone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The twins' parents thought they were learning the welding trade. Instead, they were parking cars at a nearby garage, practicing standing (laughs) starts and sharp turns at high speeds on other people's cars.
3: I wonder, you know, if someone ever wrote a podcast about, like, my life (laughs) if there would be, like, a story like this because I feel like with a lot of these guys, there's, like, this, like, yeah, when he was, like, 15, he used to, like, rip cars around a parking garage. And, like, I'm, like i like, when I hear it for the first time, I'm, like, man, I wish I did that. (laughs) But then I think back and I'm, like, I did. I did do
4: that. Yeah, I just forgot (laughs) because…
3: And James spent his weekends driving through his friend's dad's front yard <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
4: so a really fun part about this documentary is that one I didn't know he had a twin he's like
3: slightly taller than him and he always wears green really? yeah he's like skinnier
4: <laughs> my brother the green flag <laughs> and then they're, they're
0: they have like cousins right like uh-huh. yeah. one was, wears yellow and purple and the other another tall one purple and yellow
4: yeah. oh I just understood what you were going for and, the, and they have a dog that's a
0: lizard.
3: He's <laughs> a dinosaur. He's a dinosaur? Yeah, dinosaurs aren't lizards. It's a big lizard. No, they're not. Great lizard. Dinosaurs are birds. They're raptors. Oh, I mean, you, you were very into Jurassic Park recently. Yeah. And you just missed that whole scene? I don't know. Or the dude, fact dude, that a lot of them had feathers?
0: Dude, that is just, that's PC culture trying to demasculinize dinosaurs by giving them feathers and making them pretty. <laughs> no, uh, you are correct. Uh, dinosaurs did have feathers, or at least a semblance of a feather. They did evolve into birds. I feel like we got really off track. We don't, yeah. <laughs> I
4: don't even remember
3: where
0: I am. I
4: <laughs> but no, I was going to tell the story. Okay, oh, in yeah, the documentary, yeah. they go back to what is now Croatia, and he shows the tiny little cobblestone alleys that his brother and him used to race on in like little... On foot? On carts or like... Okay. They didn't have brakes on whatever they were using and it was like almost a 45 degree angle. And he was like, yeah, this is the turn that I learned. <laughs> like, like this is the hardest turn I've ever done in any racing. And he did it when he was like five. <laughs> That's funny. That reminds me of like
0: uh, in our Ferrari episode or, f- you know, the uh, Ferrari versus Ford episodes. Like... Uh, Enzo Ferrari and his brother, like, foot raced down dirt roads, and that was like their like start to race racing. Line. Yeah. Like,
3: this is the fastest way to run yeah, around this point. Yeah, <laughs> wow. pretty cool.
0: Well, after all that uh, uh, hooning around in other people's cars, the boys earned enough money to buy a beat up 1948 Hudson Hornet Sportsman stock car.
4: That's a good car. A, a race car. Yeah, That's from uh, Cars. Yeah, that's
0: right. Uh, HUD. Or Doc. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
3: Hud, Hud. <laughs> Such com- so so very, confidently yeah. wrong. <laughs>
0: That's
3: kind of my brand, I think. Yeah, his name was, um, <laughs> Net.
0: <laughs>
3: Net, Net Sportsman. <laughs> yeah, you know, beloved. <laughs> he had a big old beard. <laughs> <laughs> a big old, yeah, he had a big beard and a tail. <laughs> <laughs> And he's the only character in the movie with legs.
4: Yeah, he says,
3: go in reverse to go fast. <laughs> go in reverse. Yeah, to go forwards fast, you got to go way back to the, back there. <laughs> <laughs> That's such my like such a good That's scene. So, yeah. I cry every time I watch that scene. Sorry, it's embarrassing. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, to go straight forward, you got to go all the way back there. The boys shared
0: the Hudson, building and rebuilding the car themselves. And only four years after arriving in America, Mario and Aldo began to race. While other boys their age were trading baseball cards or reading comic books, the Andretti twins spent their time reading manuals about engines, suspension, and aerodynamics. Instead of hanging out at diners, they spent their free time at garages and auto parts stores.
3: Instead of going to diners, they went to drive-ins and drive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: They learned, watched, and asked questions, and then they turned their knowledge loose at races on the weekends. With each race, they got better and better, but it soon became clear that racing came much more naturally from Mario, who was winning pretty much every other race. The Andretti parents didn't find out their sons were racing until Aldo was severely injured, and his career was over before he really had the chance to begin. Their father wanted Mario to quit too, but he was in too deep. Mario had won 21 out of just 46 races. There was no way he could stop now. In a sport that was slowly growing in the early 60s, Andretti's reputation was quickly rising. In 1965, Mario was 24 and a U.S. citizen, and his pro-am domination with stock cars got him an invite to the U.S. Automotive Club. He finished 12th in points in his first season. Andretti was growing to love stock car racing, and he was clearly very good at it. But... He still had a burning desire for the open wheel style and the speed potential of the Ferraris he grew up watching.
3: Dude grew up in Italy, came to America, started racing in stock cars. He's Great at, at eighteen, it. He's great at it. Yeah, um, but still re- dreams of driving. You know the yeah. national car of his homeland.
4: It's cool that he knew the steps and he wasn't trying to like jump them and you know just like working his way up. That same year, Andretti was shocked when he was asked to join the open
3: wheel racing series, now known as IndyCar. It's been called a bunch of stuff. We should cover it in another episode because, like, the. It's like cart, champ car.
0: Oh, yeah. Champ car, cart. Yeah, I think
3: think at this point it was called champ car. Okay. Christina's telling me. Yeah. Uh, But IndyCar is named after the Indianapolis 500. Yeah. And like the promoter or owner of the track, like some there's like a split. Yeah. And sponsorships are involved. So like maybe we'll cover We definitely that. should. We should do it with like a um succession like angle. Yes. Like like, like Joe can play like a Kendall type character. Yeah. And I'll play the dad. <laughs> and you can be Shiv. And then we can all rotate being Kieran Culkin. Are you Jessie. trying to fuck me right now? <laughs> Dude, yeah. That's good. <laughs> We'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's a N G I.com.
3: This opportunity gave him a whole new vision of his career. Own his skills in America, get good enough to join Formula O, and then win the Formula O Drivers' Championship. Easy peasy, lemon breezy. Who's that, dude? Lemon cello. Andretti was a good stock car driver, but he was an even better Indy car driver. Turn. We're just going to call it IndyCar. As I said, it's very confusing, um, and this is the most identifiable. This is mm-hmm. what it's called now. So, yeah. Turned out that his just-go-fast style of racing worked better in a faster car. Go think. Andretti arrived on the circuit in 1965 and shocked the racing world that first year. He won Rookie of the Year and came in third at the Indianapolis 500. Jeez. And then the next year, at only 25 years old, he became the youngest champion in series history. And then he went ahead and won the championship again the next year. Insane. It's like if... Uh, Cannon one, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, sick. He's huh. like, I don't even know. They're like, not even. Uh, nobody else is like even that fast. <laughs> 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 like, I just like don't even understand like why there aren't even fenders on these cars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving to New York during IndyCar's off season. Andretti raced stock cars in the Sprint Series. He rarely took any time off. People thought he was crazy. Then he would burn out. But for Andretti, burnout wasn't possible because he didn't consider racing work. He'd rather burn out than burn out. <laughs> I, that was an ad lib. Um, I apologize to the writer. <laughs> <laughs> He'd spent his entire childhood living in a refugee camp, scrounging for resources and searching for purpose. He had both now. For him, this was La Dolce Vida. The sweet life, nice, James. Yeah, nice. Living La Dolce Vida. I'm is driving. Living La Dolce Vida.
2: Vita. <laughs> <I'm sorry, sorry. laughs>
3: After his back to back indie championships, Andretti finally finished seventh in points NASCAR and won its biggest race, the 1967 Daytona 500, marking the only time a person born outside of the United States had ever won that race. This is huge. Dude, I'm sure the French family was so mad. The French family? <laughs> the France family. Yeah. Wait, who's the founder? What's the dad's name? Bill, Bill. France. Senior. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Bill France was like livid.
4: I thought you were talking about a French family that was like, we are not the first Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
3: oh, no, Bill France is just like, Sucking on a chili dog. Yeah, <laughs> this is way
4: better than spaghetti. <laughs> uh, Sucking on chili dogs.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Sucking on chili dogs. No, Bill Francis <laughs> famously loves chili dogs. And uh, does he really? Yeah, at NASCAR, uh, when like at the like main mm-hmm. like camp or whatever, like wherever like ultra VIPs go, like me.
4: Uh, there's, <laughs> there's there's <You> always VIPs?
3: <laughs> there's always like this like chili dog station uh uh-huh. With Bill France's like recipe for chili dog.
4: Wow. All I these wondered. racing dudes with their chili recipes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Racing dudes love chili.
3: I, I mean, I'm sure it's just like easy to eat at a track. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, but also like, do you want to hop in a race car after sucking down a chili dog? <laughs> no. Sweat your ass <laughs> I don't off. Know. Like, like, you know, someone breaks hard to front in in front <laughs> of you and you're like, oops, there goes the chili. Suck it out,
3: chili dogs. <laughs> Andretti earned his first of three prestigious Driver of the Year awards. After winning the Daytona 500, he was becoming one of the most popular drivers in the country. But there was still a race he needed to win to gain the attention of Formula One, the Indianapolis 500.
4: They interviewed Jay Leno in this document, documentary, and he's like, Yeah, my, my dad wouldn't watch anything that didn't have Italians in it. So <laughs> once Mario won, then he started watching racing. <laughs> That's amazing.
3: Andretti? That's amazing, dude. Can you imagine being like the Bronx like 1967 and like being into racing? Yeah. That would have been cool. Like hitting the TV until it works.
4: Like, ah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is this cannoli? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: oh my god. Okay. So <laughs>
0: I started watching The Sopranos, I me mean, and Chloe. Yes. Ann. Oh,
4: now it's a uh, now we get to give you shit about talking about Sopranos. Oh no, no, yeah! No, no, no. Remember now. when
3: <laughs> Joe brought up The Sopranos every episode for a year?
0: <laughs> no, but I, I won't Here talk about specifics <laughs> or anything. Just, <laughs> the whole time. In the office, you guys are saying, "Woke up in the morning, yeah. got some gavagoo. Yeah. Yeah. goo." <laughs> they do not say that in the theme song. No, dude, <laughs> that was the joke, <laughs> dude. <laughs> we were waiting the whole time. We're like, we're like it's a long theme <laughs> song at that first. That was uh, so like we're waiting like. <laughs> All right, maybe it's the next time he's going to say
3: the gobble part. <laughs> it never happens. Are you I'm- kidding me? Oh, you are the dumbest man alive. And somehow you've apparently found the dumbest woman alive to be your partner. <laughs>
4: Dude. Here I don't know
3: I'm okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, this episode I saw him eat a piece of gabago, so maybe it's
3: Gabagul's like lunch meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, he's waking up. You think up the theme late. song is <laughs> like of award-winning sh- television show? A show that changed TV forever? He's like, <laughs>
4: Woke up in the morning got some yeah. lunch meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's Video Game Donkey who did that. No, I did that.
3: (laughs) They don't say that. Um, Uh, Anyway, great show. Anyway, he had to win the Indy 500. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. I can't believe that. You're usually so smart. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen this show. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, dude. (laughs) I feel bad. I want to apologize to Chloe. It was, her. I'm the one at the office. (laughs) (laughs) I I would be bumbling around the apartment going, got some (laughs) some (laughs)
0: goo.
3: I just like indoctrinated her into thinking. Yeah, it's not Chloe's fault. No, it's my fault. It's all my fault, yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Andretti developed his maniacal work ethic during his time in the refugee camp and developed a love for practicing. But this perfectionism almost cost him a spot on the 1969 Nice Indy 500. Andretti crashed his main car in an extra practice session and suffered second degree burns on his face and scalp. But he swallowed back the pain and managed to qualify with his backup car.
4: It must have hurt like having
3: a helmet on. I was
4: thinking that. He like popped out of the car and there's footage of like a news crew running up to him. He's got just like blisters on his cheeks and he's like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm going to get hop in the car again. <laughs> After
3: leading almost the entire second half of the race, his tires were so warm that he couldn't stop fast enough on his final pit stop. No grip. Yeah. He hit his chief engineer and tossed him in the air. Eh, it's kind of that guy's fault. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't stand there.
4: <laughs> had, there's always the guy at the front.
3: Yeah. As we mentioned in the opening, the engineer was fine, but this mistake cost Andretti precious seconds and pushed him out of first place. Despite having low transmission fluid, an engine running hot, fading tires, Andretti skipped the pit box and re-entered
4: the race. So he pulled in and just pulled out right away? He pulled yeah. in, hit the guy, hit <laughs> chief engineer, <laughs>
3: and was like, sayonara. Yeah. Arrivederci. As 100 million people watched, wow. Andretti clawed his way back to the front and took the checkered flag, still on a single pair of tires. Andretti also set a 500 mile record with an average speed of 156.867 miles per hour. And the car he drove, the Bronner Ford Hawk number no. two, still sits in the Smithsonian. Can you imagine driving 160 miles an hour for 500 miles? No. <laughs> That's like from here to San Francisco. That's his average That's speed. More. That's more. Fur- That's further than here to San Francisco at a, like 160. I've driven 160 like twice for like a second.
4: <laughs> Did it feel like when you got back down to like 90? You're like, oh, this is yeah, crazy. Like, Everything's different now. Yeah.
3: <laughs> his impossible victory got him the attention he'd been hoping for and made him an international name. Andretti won ABC's Worldwide of Sports coveted Athlete of the Year award. The hardware in his trophy room was piling up, but he still had an empty spot on the shelf. For the one thing he wanted most. A streamy. A streamy. <laughs>
0: he wanted to win 2019 Streamy Award, <laughs> Best Sports
3: Channel yeah, Award. Sorry, Mario Andretti. That's on our table. <laughs> sorry, Kevin
4: Hart. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes, yeah, sorry, Kevin Hart, you bitch. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we have the same rapport as The Rock does with Kevin Hart. So yeah, it's right. Kevin not-
3: Hart and us like we rip each other yeah. hard. And like he's like.
4: And you guys
3: know so much about cars. You guys deserve to win a Sports Channel Award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: By the late 60s, Formula One had finally taken notice of Andretti. While Andretti continued to rack up wins in America, he would occasionally get called in to race in single Formula One events as a fill-in driver. He even won his first victory behind the wheel of a Ferrari, his dream constructor in the 1971 South African Grand Prix. Nice. But still, some of the owners had their doubts. Sure, he was the best driver in North America, but would he be able to compete with the likes of Jackie Stewart, Nikki Lauda, or Emerson Fittipaldi? Not to mention that Formula One driving is different from IndyCar. F1 cars can accelerate faster and are built to handle high speeds through sharp corners, whereas the IndyCars of the time were heavier and tended to do better in the straights. Despite the hesitancy of Formula One owners, Andretti eventually got the call he'd been waiting for, when he was hired to drive for the American Parnelli team. Is this Parnelli Jones? I have to assume so. Parnelli Jones was involved in everything. I think we should uh, talk about him at some point as well. One of those behind-the-scenes guys.
4: Yeah, you, you hear his name a lot. I don't really know a lot about him. Let us know. Email us at passgasatdonutmedia.com if you want to hear a whole episode about Parnelli Jones or Osmosis Jones. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The team was new to Formula One, and while Andreni was able to score five championship points during his first season, he was forced to retire the car in six out of 14 races. F1 cars were like way less reliable back in yeah. the day. Despite this, he stuck with Parnelli for the next season until they pulled out of Formula One after just a few races. Fortunately, though, Mario knew just who to call. Lotus was coming off six straight lackluster seasons and needed a shakeup, and the owner, Colin Chapman, had been a longtime fan of Andretti. Andretti had filled in for Lotus a few times, including during the season-opening Brazilian Grand Prix, and had once filled Chapman in on his personal driving philosophy.
4: Quote, Add lightness and add Andretti. (laughs) If everything uh, seems under control,
3: you're just not going fast enough. This was the kind of energy Chapman
0: hoped to harness for
3: Lotus. Boy, golly gee, I like this kind of (laughs) fella. This bloke's got moxie. (laughs) That's the queen's beans.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Both Chapman and Andretti had a passion for the engineering side of race car driving, and Lotus had a new technology for Andretti to play with. It was called Ground Effect. The art and science of shaping the underside of the car to create downforce without the added drag of traditional aero elements.
4: And rainbow LEDs, too. <laughs> Chapman was surprised when Andretti
0: immediately got to work manipulating the stagger and suspension of the car for each individual track using the knowledge he had learned over the years of building his own cars. Chapman knew he was getting a good driver, but he had no idea he was hiring a mechanic. <laughs>
4: No one's sticking his tongue out and waiting for a reaction from James.
0: <laughs> Andretti spent the '76 season learning the ropes of Formula One and meticulously tinkering with his car. The technology was impressive, but not quite refined. He played background player to the season stars, Nikki Lauda and James Hunt, who were locked in a legendary battle to the very end. In the final race in Japan, Lauda refused to drive because of the horrendous weather conditions. It was super rainy, too dangerous. This gave Hunt the championship and open a lane for Andretti to achieve his second-ever Formula One victory. Yeah, if you haven't listened to the Lauda versus Hunt episode, go check that out. Or, uh, oh, we've talked about both Nikki Lauda and James Hunt separately, so go check out those episodes if you want to know more about them, them, them figures. Them guys. Them guys. James Hunt. Not a great guy. Interesting fellow. In 1977, Andretti and his car were noticeably better. They had continued to develop the new ground effect design of the Lotus 78 wing car. By shaping the side pods as inverted aerofoils, they created significant underpressure and pushed the soft face of the tires deeper into the craggy surface of the track. Long way to say it has more grip, but it sounded nice. I like the word craggy. When it was unveiled, the other drivers were impressed. They whispered to each other that not only was Lotus back,
3: but they may have the best car in the world. They may have the best call in the world. Shh. shh. Hey, why are we whispering at the track?
4: <laughs> it's loudness of
3: things. Hey, are you guys talking?
4: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> my my throat hurt after uh, we went to Apple Valley just because it was loud and we had to talk over the cars and stuff. And I couldn't. I usually use that Joni Mitchell song about you know put up a parking lot. Oh yeah. To test. If my voice is messed up or not, if I can't, if I can't hit that high note, then my voice is messed up. Couldn't even get within half an octave
0: of that. Whoa. I learned something new about Joe. Every time we do this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the paddock was correct. Andretti and Lotus did have the best car. Andretti won four events in 1977, more than any other driver. There was a chance he could have won the driver's championship that season, but unfortunately, a few wrecks and reliability issues led him to place third overall. Championship or not, there is no doubt in anybody's mind that Andretti was a force to be reckoned with. Heading into the 1978 season, Andretti was confident. He and his team had spent the last two years improving the Lotus 78's design, making changes that sparked an engineering revolution
4: in the sport. New technological advances in milkshakes.
0: (laughs) The team experimented with the Venturi tunnels under the car and figured out that by extending the rear bodywork to a point inside the rear wheel suspension system and allowing the underside to extend further back instead of ending abruptly in front of the rear wheels, they could space out the low pressure area evenly. In layman's terms, Lotus had made the fastest car Formula One had ever seen.
3: By the sixth Grand Prix of the 1978 season, the Lotus 79 hit the grid. Even though Andretti had already won the first race of the season, the moment he hopped into the Lotus 79 at the Belgium GP, it was game over for the competition. Andretti took back-to-back victories in Belgium and Spain with his Lotus teammate Ronnie Peterson right behind him. Lotus repeated their Andretti Peterson 1-2 in France. That is like one of the most exciting things that can happen. Like just imagining everyone, like so many people are on like a Formula 1 team. And you go 1-2, just like, the. I mean, obviously the best possible result is so sick and like so rare. Well,
4: you don't even have to like feel bad about your teammate placing seventh or something. You're just like, yeah. oh, we, dude, started from the bottom.
3: Totally. I wonder how like how often that's happened. I'm sure it's only a handful of times.
4: Well, it's just a testament to like how good the car was. At the midseason point, Andretti
3: had a comfortable lead in first place with Peterson in second. The story of the season was shaping up to be about the supremacy of the Lotus 79. With both Andretti and Peterson driving the same car, this meant that the championship had come down to the driver's performance. The stakes for the teammates and close friends were high. They both had to prove they belonged in the circuit. Andretti was a relative newcomer, while Peterson was an eight-season veteran who hadn't quite lived up to his potential.
4: Kind of like Ricardo. Like Ricardo.
3: After winning pole position in Germany, Andretti was caught off guard early on by a move Peterson made to the outside to gain the lead. Andretti, furious, refused to let him have it. Four laps later, Andretti would retake the lead and win. I mean, Lewis
0: Hamilton and like Altery got one twos like all the time. All the time, oh, yeah. yeah. Same with Nico Rosberg. So maybe it has happened a lot. I mean, I think that's a testament to the Lotus seventy nine because, as we we're saying, like. These cars were not as reliable back then. They broke all the time. Their engines would blow. Like, you know, maybe they'd crash or whatever. So to have a one-two finish really is a bigger testament during that era, I would say. Yeah. 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 I, think that's, I think you're not wrong in saying that.
3: Thank you. Thank you. In Austria, Peterson once again gained an advantage over Andretti. Only this time, when Andretti went to make his move, Peterson knew how to take advantage of Andretti's aggressiveness. Andretti spun out, and Peterson cruised on to victory. Mind games. Got to play those mind games. After playing cat and mouse all season, Mario was sitting pretty with six wins, but Peterson was right behind him with six top two finishes. Peterson needed to finish top three in all three final races if he had any chance to beat Andretti. Meanwhile, all Mario needed was a victory or Peterson's retirement to claim the title. Wow. Lot of pressure on Ronnie Peterson. Lots. The next race was in Andretti's home country of uh, Croatia. Now, yeah, (laughs) Canada. (laughs) Uh, His home country of Italy—a fitting setting for this very exciting moment. Everything was all playing out exactly how Andretti had been envisioning it his entire life. Just like I drew up. This is
4: just how I saw it. I was just a little boy wrestling rats for a meatball. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's a bad meatball. You can have it, right?
3: (laughs) Oh, I wish I didn't even win the meatball. (laughs) It's almost (laughs) inevitable. He knew in his gut that by the end of the Italian Grand Prix, he would be crowned Formula One champion. He told his teammate, You and I will race for the title to hell with the contract. Oh, yeah. Peterson was like, That sounds pretty good. Okay. (laughs) Unfortunately for Peterson, his Lotus 79 had mechanical issues before the race, so he was forced to drive the Lotus 78. The older car. Yeah. Mm. Then things got worse. On the very first lap of the race, James Hunt accidentally clipped Peterson, sending his car spinning out and careening into a barrier. The Lotus split in half and burst into flames. Peterson was pulled out of the burning wreckage with over 25 fractures in his legs and feet. Oh, my God. He was rushed to the hospital, but his injuries were too severe. He slipped into a coma and passed away. Jeez. The race was restarted about... Th- God, dude. Every time. Every time. I know. <laughs> Again, it's like if Ron James were playing a basketball game and he went to dunk and came down, Broke his leg 25 times, (laughs) burst into flames, went into a coma and died. And they were like, all right, time out. Okay, guys, we're ready to go again. Then they just started it back up. It's insane, this stuff. The race was restarted about three hours later with Andretti finishing sixth. Because of Peterson's retirement, Mario Andretti was officially the 1978 Formula One champion. His lifelong dream of winning a championship had come true, but not in the way. He ever wanted it to happen. Yeah, he
4: can't even celebrate.
3: Dude, I'm, yeah, it sucks. There was no celebration for Mario Andretti and Team Lotus. The place of donuts in the victory lane and expensive bottles of champagne was an overwhelming, agonizing grief. It wasn't supposed to happen this way. In a perfect world, Andretti's friend and teammate was supposed to be right there next to him. This moment was about Ronnie Peterson, not Mario Andretti. Andretti's team... And Lotus never, has anyone else on this podcast ever talked about someone dying or no? I just get
4: all. Uh, <laughs> I think I've done it like once. It is yeah, pretty yeah, Every crazy. single time. Very, very, <laughs> very. I think that's majority of them. that's because of the pacing though. Yeah. And it just so happens with the rhythm of it. Yeah. It's really weird.
3: Andretti and Team Lotus never recovered after the Peterson tragedy. Their attempts to recreate the magic of the Lotus 79 with an updated Lotus 80 was a massive failure, and Andretti struggled through the next two seasons. As a boy, Formula One racing was always his dream. But as a man whose whole worldview had been shifted by personal tragedy, he found himself yearning to go back to where he started the indie circuit in America.
0: We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. At 42, and after nearly two decades in professional racing, nobody would have blamed Mario Andretti if he wanted to retire. He had already made his mark on motorsport. What else did he have left to accomplish? Well, Andretti himself once said, When you have that desire,
3: it supersedes reason. Uh, he's the only guy that we've ever covered that I've actually met, and that's not how he talks. <laughs> uh, I've seen him in his underpants.
4: Purple briefs. <laughs> very, very tan man, no time We're not talking about boxer briefs? talking about briefs
3: uh, a beautiful complexion baked in the Maldives <laughs> Mario still had the desire to race reason
0: we need to take a back seat Andretti was a deeply passionate family man due to his chaotic upbringing just only- like Peter
3: Griffin <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only thing that kept him grounded was his family in the camps when their bellies were empty Andretti's family got closer his parents always made sure that he and his brother felt safe and loved. He was also a loyal husband to his late wife, Deanne, whom he married in 1961. They had three children, Michael, Barbie, and Jeff. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <The> ind- <laughs> What's so funny, Jeff?
4: Uh, just how he said Jeff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The Andretti clan adopted Mario's love of racing and he was determined to pass a steering wheel over to them. In 1989, Andretti's team, Newman Haas, hired his son Michael to join the team, making them the first father-son team to compete in both IMSA GT and Champ Car Racing. Wait,
4: Haas had a team all the way back then? That's crazy. Gene Haas is a very wealthy man.
0: Today, Michael is a legend in his own right. He was inducted into the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America in 2008. Turns out the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, especially if you're an Andretti. The Andretti family is the first family to have five relatives compete in the same series.
4: There's one race where four of them race together. And I think... In one car? <laughs> yeah, they're arguing the whole time.
0: <laughs> well, no, but I gotta pee.
4: <laughs> no, but uh, I think three of them did not finish.
0: Wow. I'd be so pissed if my dad beat me in a race, dude.
4: Yeah, he was like, they interview- they were talking... Together And he was like, yeah, I mean, I could have let you win. Because <laughs> like, it was like inches. Yeah, yeah. He's like, but I wouldn't be who I am if I let you win. <laughs>
3: <laughs> He's like, yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, I guess you're like the goat, I guess. Um, like imagine if, you're, yeah, like your dad is like the
3: best at ever. Yeah. Like you're really
0: good. Yeah, you're
4: great. But your dad is goaded yeah. in the sauce. Like Hall of
3: Famer. But your dad is better. Like, yeah. Like the opposite
4: of the rock. (laughs) I'm planning on being way better than my son at everything. (laughs) At least for the first five years. (laughs) This brings us, guys,
0: to the Andretti curse. The infamous string of bad luck that has prevented anyone in the racing family from winning the Indy 500 since Andretti's original win in 1969. With 77 (laughs) starts between Michael... Jeff, nephew John, and grandson Marco, none of the Andrettis have chugged that famous milk.
3: (laughs) Uh, Just if you're not aware, audience, the Indy 500, like in most races, if you win, they pop champagne, um, but at the Indy 500, uh, you drink milk. So that's not a weird way to say (laughs) (laughs) win. (laughs) It's a reference to what actually happens at that yes. race.
0: Uh, Mario's nephew, John, had 12 starts at the race with the best finish of fifth. Andretti's son, Jeff, competed three times with no luck. And son, Michael, was unsuccessful in his 16 attempts at winning the Indy 500, despite having completed the most laps as well as led the most laps of any driver who had never won the race. Michael's son, Marco, has competed in the race 17 times and even won pole position in 2020 after setting the fastest practice lap at Indy since 1996. But unfortunately, he finished in 13th place. Marco is still active in IndyCar and may be the Andretti's best chance to finally defeat the bizarre curse that has plagued the family for over 40
4: years. And Marco's good friends with Ludacris. Is he really? Yeah. They interview Ludacris in this documentary. Ludacris doesn't know a bunch about... Mario? <laughs> but he keeps talking about Marco. And it's like, uh-huh. dude, this is about Mario.
3: <laughs> yeah, Luda. Come on, Luda. Come on, Chris.
0: <laughs> Mario Andretti stayed competitive in indie cars through the late 80s and early 90s. He'd win occasionally before retiring in his Arrivederci Mario Tour in 1994 at the age of 54. Since then... He's become a popular ambassador for the sport and even pops in to drive for big races like the 24 Hours of Le Mans, one of his favorites, though he's never won, or even the Indy 500 in 2003. Andretti is beloved in both Italy and America at 82 years old and regularly invites friends and celebrities, including Jay Leno, Stephen King, and even- James Pumphrey. James (laughs) Pumphrey and even Lady Gaga to come see what it's like to ride with him in an Indy car.
3: Done it. I did it. I've done it. As well, Nolan's done it with Mario.
0: Yeah, with Mario. Whoa. Did You
3: see him in his underpants? Did not. Damn, I
0: have a picture with him though, and I'm much taller than. Me. Wait,
4: so yeah, me too. I'm the only host that's never been in a video game and never <laughs> ridden with Mario Andretti. Yep. What?
0: Well, I mean, of this of this show, yeah. 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 yeah.
4: yeah. What? Do you, what show? I'm not talking about The View, dude.
0: <laughs> 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 I was gonna say Jerry and Joe have never seen Mario
3: Andretti in the changing room. That's true. Yeah. I've been in three video games.
4: I know you don't even <laughs> play video games.
3: I've just never played. I've never played the video games I'm in, dude. the 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 two seater IndyCar, car, yeah. real quick is like,
0: it's funny because you have to get in, but like they don't tell you that your your knees are like up to your chest, uh, like, and you're still strapped in, birth
4: like, position.
3: Birth I like, assume going um, so. poop while camping position.
0: Yes. Yeah. You're like in that in the I car. Don't lay uh, down with my butt facing no forward. When I
4: take a shit. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know
3: what to tell you, man. <laughs> I do what I do, <laughs> and I camp how I camp. <laughs>
4: um, real quick, to get us away from camp pooping, <laughs> uh he so one of the. Biggest crashes he's ever been in was in 2006. I don't know what it was for. Maybe Indy or something. Flipped over 15 times. Flew in the air. His car got chopped in half. Just walks away with like a scratch on his chin. And like did an interview afterwards. He's like, holy shit. Yeah,
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was crazy. Yeah.
4: (laughs) But he must have been at least 60 by then. That's
3: wild, man. In sports, greatness is often distilled down to hard numbers and achievements. By that metric, there's probably not a lot of racing fans who would call Mario Andretti the greatest race car driver of all time. But greatness should be examined through other, perhaps less exciting standards. Andretti's versatility was impressive. He was like the Mario Andretti. Of racing,
0: it's <laughs> <laughs> like we had another athlete in there, but it just didn't make sense because like Mario Andretti is Mario Andretti, Mario he's Andretti. the best
3: example of like he's like Bo Jackson, but like Bo yes. Jackson only did two sports, like Deion Sanders only yeah. did two sports, yeah. like Michael yes. Jordan was really good at one sport and like pretty, kind of bad at the other one. Like that Mario was Andretti the, that did. was more
4: just about uh, gambling <laughs> and his dad
0: getting murdered. Yeah. Yeah, no, Mario Andretti is like.
3: Yeah, Mario Andretti is the Mario Andretti. Yeah. Everyone else is the Mario Andretti of blank.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
3: But he's the Mario Andretti. This was a really fun one. I really like this guy. And uh, I think, you know, really impressive story. Great tan, cool underpants. (laughs) Great family, like, great family man.
4: Yeah. So he still lives in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, where his parents first moved. He lives right down the road from. Their first house. And they ask him why he didn't move to LA or, you know, somewhere easier to fly to F1 races and Mm -hmm. stuff. And he was like, I just wanted to be by my parents, by my sister and brother and family. And they like show a bunch of, it's like that Carlos Sainz scene in uh, Drive to Survive. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) like he's just with his family. They're growing stakes and they're so comfortable together. And he just wants to hang out with his family.
0: Why is that scene in particular the like the most memorable part of to Because the ham
4: abarico looks so good, <laughs> it does look and everyone is so handsome. Yeah, they're next to a lake under a cabana. Yeah. Like, that's what I want to do in Spain. Yeah. yeah,
3: we're in a room with no windows.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Andretti's influence and background should also factor into consideration for his place in the great hall of racers. He was a destitute Italian immigrant who grew up in a refugee camp in post-fascist Italy. He started racing later than most without the family connections or resources that benefit many other drivers. So while there are others who may have been more skilled, won more races, and drove faster, Mario Andretti still stands alone, deservedly, as one of the most important drivers of the 20th century. Agree. Here, here. You're here. You're here. Here, here and 21st. Mm, probably not most important of the 21st. Most important drivers of the 21st are going to be. Look, they're going to look like Wally. <laughs> <laughs> was he driver of the century? He was dr- voted driver of the century wow, for last century. That's sick. Yeah, yeah it's crazy.
0: I Did came in ever fifth. Have...
4: <laughs> <laughs> he had a video game, right? Yeah, I'm sure there's
0: program. been Andretti video games on like the Sega Dreamcast. Like I said
3: at the beginning of this, like. Andretti is probably the most, the name most synonymous with racing in America. Mm -hmm. For sure. Like I remember, like he was, I think he's the first race car driver I was like aware of, the first famous one. I remember on Home Improvement, Jill got Tim a Mario Andretti steering wheel for their anniversary. And he was like, this is so meaningful. Oh Yeah.
4: But also, fuck. Tim
0: Allen. Yeah, fuck Tim Allen, he's a narc. <laughs> Tim Allen's like, I want to get myself a real nice gift on this video. How about we? How about? Yeah. How about
3: get myself Mario a real drink. nice gift on this uh, show? How about I narc on all my friends? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to yeah. the show. This is a great story. It's fun being back in a stew with you guys. Uh, I Hopefully it came through. I feel like we had a lot more fun than we have in the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, hopefully uh, it'll continue to get more fun because we have no intention of not doing the show every week uh, for, a, for a very long time. So uh, subscribe, tell your friends about it. Leave us a review. Leave us some comments. Email us at com. Thanks to Gavin. Uh, our producer and Christina our director I made up those titles just now I think they're accurate
4: and our writer James Mastriani Italian guy oh was that on purpose? (laughs) by design (laughs) how do you
3: think all the quotes were so accurate? (laughs) follow Nolan at Nolan J Sykes Joe at Joe G Weber me at James Humphrey on all social media uh, Donut at Donut Media we also have a YouTube channel if you didn't know Uh, Check it out. Bye.